Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. This is Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Byron King. Uh, He is the editor of the Outstanding Investments Newsletter, uh, also the editor of Energy and Scarcity Investor. Welcome to the show, Byron. Hello. It's great to be with you. Let's just start with a little bit of your background so people have a sense of uh, your background before we get into the substance of uh, your, what you're covering in your investments. Well, I studied geology long ago, and I, uh, I, I guess I could say I've been a geologist uh, uh, all my life, or as the New Hampshire men would say, not yet. You know, But, uh, yeah, I, I uh, studied geology. I worked for a big oil company, Gulf Oil Company, a long time ago. Uh, I spent some time in the U.S. Navy, active duty, and then a lot of time in the Navy Reserve after, you know, when I was uh, off of active duty and I was a reservist, I uh, I practiced law in Pennsylvania and uh, did a lot of commercial litigation and bankruptcy. Still stayed interested in geology and in the energy biz and in the mining biz. And uh, a number of years ago, I uh, I literally wrote a letter to the editor of, uh, of uh, Agora Financial, of a publication called The Daily Reckoning, and that started a conversation. The next thing I knew, I was writing freelance for Agora, and then a few years ago they called up and said, you know, do you want to edit uh, Outstanding Investments for us? And, uh, I, you know, we talked, we had lunch, and as things go, I, had, I, I came home with a different job. So, so I, I've been doing the editing job for about four and a half years now, and uh, I travel all over the place looking for investment opportunities in energy and minerals and related technologies and uh, bring them to the attention of the readers and the investors. And tell us briefly about the uh, long-term track record of Outstanding Investments. Well, Outstanding Investments has, a, I would say, a good track record. I mean, it's, it's, it's measurable. There's a group called uh, Holbert Financial Digest that tracks all sorts of different newsletters and you know, uh, uh, websites that advertise you know, economic uh, uh, ideas and such. They, they've tracked outstanding investments for quite a while, and they said earlier this year in 2011, a few months ago, they said outstanding investments has the best track record of any publication out of the 99 that it, that it follows in this particular space over the last 10 years. So for the last 10 years, our annualized return has been something like 23%. And, you know, there's up years and there's down years. There's good months and there's bad months in all of this. I say this as the editor, but, you know, my, my job is to maintain that. And I've, I've been doing this for uh, almost five years. So not quite half the time that Holbert was measuring it. Uh, I was the, I was the editor. So, you know, somebody could say, well, somebody did a great job. Yeah. And I didn't screw it all up. So, you know, that, that's sort of the way I, 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 <laughs> okay. I, I, I present. Um, how can people find out more about uh, subscribing to Outstanding Investments? Well, it's it's really hard. You go to the, you go to your computer and you go to this thing called Google and you type in Outstanding Investments and that'll get you to a website. And Outstanding Investments is a it's a it's a newsletter. We will send you one or sometimes two emails a week. Uh, there's an issue every month that that's a, a larger issue that has uh, you know a, sort of an investment idea and another investment commentary. Uh, we uh, it, it's it's a it's really expensive. It's forty nine bucks a year and that you know that's for the for the outstanding investment uh, one and we cover large cap energy and mining ideas uh if you want to go a little more uh, uh risky for a higher price there's another one called energy and scarcity investor and that's the same thing too i send you a weekly uh email and i send you a monthly you know issue so to speak it's all on electronic it's all on email and uh and I, and I give you ideas of things to invest in in the energy and the mining space. And, again, go to Google and look for outstanding investments, and, that, and that'll take you into the Agora Financial website. And there's a whole lot of links there to, that will 
that will get you to the spot where you can sign up. You can do it online, or if you don't like that, you can call them up on the telephone, and they even have a 1-800 number. Great. Terrific. Okay, so energy and minerals is the area that you uh, specialize in. Uh, what is the long-term case uh, for investing in energy right now? I mean, recently, oil prices are down a little bit, uh, but what is the long-term reason why people should be so interested in the energy space? Well, it, it's, a, it's a very basic case in the sense that the world has, you know, 7 billion people in it, and uh, every year we're adding another, you know, whatever that number is, 120 million people a year, so like 10 million new people a month, you know, show up on this planet uh, who are, you know, who are born over and above those who die, you know, so we've got a lot of, a lot of people going on, and the, the people in the developing world are, they're doing what it sounds like, they are developing, and they want they want the things that they see in the advanced world uh, based on our communications revolution. They watch American TV and European television. They, they have access to the Internet. They know all about cars and houses and air conditioning and electricity. And, and however it is that you know, we live here in North America, uh, other people in other parts of the world want to live kind of like that. It's not that people want to be just like us, but they sure do like that part about air conditioning in the summer and heat in the wintertime. So, so the, the basic case is just more and more people uh, in growing economies with more money uh, to buy the better things in life, uh, including energy. And so, you know, there's the old expression, water is life, and that's true, but, but energy is the quality of life. You know, it's, it's electricity to run your refrigerator. It's gasoline for your car to, or for to, to power an airplane so that you can fly across the continent and do things like that. So roughly how much are, is the world consuming today, uh, uh, you know, barrels per day, and what do you project that to go up to? Well, uh, on, on any given day, the world consumes a little bit over 90 million barrels of oil every day. Uh, the U.S. consumes about 20 million of those barrels just to, to run our great big economy, but 90 million. There's about 85 million barrels of, of just crude oil that comes up out of the ground every day, and then there's about 5 million barrels of what they call natural gas liquids, and somehow or another, you know, through the miracles of uh, technology and uh, and uh, logistics, it all it all comes together in the right places and the right times to fill the pipelines and fill the tankers and fill the refineries, so that so that you know so that the world uh, world can keep on uh, spinning the way we uh, the way we know it. As far as what the future holds, um, different agencies have different forecasts. I mean, they're uh, within the next, say, 20 years, you see that number of 90 million barrels a day going up to a number like 110 million barrels a day. Now, that's that's people forecasting the demand side. There are people on the supply side who say, gee, when you look at all the oil fields out there in the world from the Middle East and, and in Africa and Central America and the U.S., North America, in Canada and such, you know, we don't, we don't know where those 110 million barrels are going to come from because you've got issues like depletion uh, where the old fields are, are wearing out and, uh, and you know, literally literally draining down uh now the question is where we're going to go out and find either new uh say fossil fuels if you're looking in the oil and natural gas space uh or something to substitute for it so um this is this is why you know i think these things are great investments there's there's more demand there's a tighter and tighter supply uh and uh, there are people out there though who can pay for uh you know for what they want so uh, you know, the, the good old days of just drilling a well in East Texas and, you know, that oil is just gushing up and all that, those are gone. That's history. Uh, the, the modern days involve going 200 miles offshore with a drilling rig that's the size of an aircraft carrier and drilling a hole in 8,000 feet of seawater through 20,000 feet of rock and, you know, finding a really big oil field. I mean, I can, we could, we could get into that if you want to, but I mean, they're finding huge, gigantic oil fields out there, but that's not, that's not $20 oil. That's not $30 oil. You know, that's, that's 50 and 80 and $100 oil. And that's why the prices are where they are today. So is there a certain point at which, uh, we will tip over, uh, and it just won't be enough supply for the demand? I mean, people talk about the whole peak oil um, you know, kind of conspiracy, I guess you almost say. Have we, do you believe in the peak oil thing and have we reached it or is, or is that a myth? Oh, I've been following peak oil for years. I mean, I was, I've been writing about peak oil for seven or eight years just for Agora. Uh, I, I believe in the idea of peak oil, but as far as uh, the impact of it. I mean, I mean, we had we we're past peak oil at twenty and thirty and forty dollar a barrel oil. It, it, we don't have any peak oil yet at say one hundred dollar a barrel oil. Or there's plenty of oil at two hundred dollars a barrel. When you get into throwing the kind of technology and throwing the kind of capital that it'll take 
to get that oil out of the ground. And this is this this is uh, the idea that you you have a resource out there. You've got those hydrocarbon molecules in the ground. They're there, but the question is, do you have the technology and can you throw the kind of money at the problem that it will take to get those hydrocarbons out in a way that, 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 that people can use and that, uh, you know, and, and that the world economy can afford? So, so, yeah, peak oil gets into a very complicated uh, 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 set of discussions over, over capital and over technology and over really political will to do the things that have to happen. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Byron King. Uh, he's the editor of Outstanding Investments and Energy and Scarcity Investor. Uh, and we'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Byron King. Uh, He is the editor of Outstanding Investments and Energy and Scarcity Investor. Welcome back to the show, Byron. Hey, it's good to be back. Um, one other way to invest in energy is for income. And there are quite a few stocks that have some pretty high income, particularly uh, Canadian, used to be called Income Trust, now called Energy and Production Companies. Uh, what are some of the, the ways people can invest uh, in energy uh, stocks to get some pretty decent income? Well, the you know it's like any other income stock in the sense that uh, you're investing in a in a in a in an energy type play, and that's good because there's you know with energy you're dealing with uh, you know pretty good cash flow. I mean, if you're if you invest in a you know, there there are certain types of companies you know in the banking sector, the manufacturing sector, you know they're 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 cyclical. They have good they have good quarters, bad quarters, whatever. You know one or you know one or two pieces of bad news could wreck them. But uh, with with energy, I mean, as long as you're dealing with a well managed company in a you know in a in a good energy you know play, uh, you you can count on that over time. Uh, in my in my newsletter, outstanding investments. Uh, which we mentioned in the first segment, uh, I have numerous companies that I that I think are really nice dividend players, or, or they 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 provide some sort of a of a yield. And there, and again, these are companies that are in uh, the energy and uh, mostly the energy. A couple in the mining space as well, but uh, you know, good companies with. Uh, you know, good assets, good management, and you know, nice long-term uh, contract relationships with people. There's there's one company that that operates where I, I happen to live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but it operates here in Western Pennsylvania in this huge Marcellus Shale play, and it's a master limited partnership. Uh, and uh, you know, we, we we bought into it about a year or so ago when it was yielding, golly, something like twelve, thirteen percent. It's still yielding around seven percent, but we've had this nice capital gain over the last year too. Which stuff, company you know. is that you're talking to? Uh, Mark West. Mark West. Uh-huh. Yeah, Mark West. Uh, Which is uh, MWE, right? MWE, yeah. yeah. 
And what, maybe just mention one other company that has a, a high yield that you like in the uh, energy space. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you, if, if, people, if people subscribe to Outstanding Investments, I'm working on my next monthly issue right now, and I've got a nice company that pays almost a 4% yield uh, on, on the dividend play. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tease that one. But, but it's, oh, a, that's right. it, it's a great company. It's been around for a long, long time. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and it, because of the recent market gyrations and such, the stock price got, got smacked around and, and went down quite a bit. So it's, it's, it's been a very, very attractive buy-in point. I don't think there's much on the downside to it, and I think there's plenty of upside capital gain-wise. But meanwhile, you get it's, it's almost a 4% yield, which is, you know, as you know, 4% more than you'll get by putting the money in the bank, you know. That's for sure. That's, That's for, sure. for sure, yeah. I mean, you want okay, to limit now, your downside. With, with, with you oil to... going up as much as it has been, and you think it's going to go higher, basically, uh, that should make alternative energy stocks attractive because compared to oil, solar and other things would be relatively more economic. What, what do you think about alternative energy, and, and what are some stocks that you would like in that, in that space? Well, alternative energy is one of those things that, that, that has been very, very uh, frustrating to me uh, in terms of writing an investment newsletter over the last couple of years. The, uh, I mean, I've, I've touched on them. I mean, I've gone into windmills and I've done some solar and the geothermal. I mean, I've looked at these guys and I've had, I've had some recommendations out there along those lines. But uh, quite frankly, right now, I don't have anything that is a, uh, a pure play uh, alternative energy because it has just been too problematic. The, uh, the, the geothermal, which I love geothermal, uh, because you're, you're, you're mining the heat of the earth, uh, to, to either make power or, or for, you know, heating and cooling purposes. The geothermal companies ought to do really well, but none of them have. And, uh, part of it is maybe management. Part of it is just that the technology is more difficult than people thought. Uh, as far as the windmills, uh, go, uh, the, the windmills and solar, really, the, uh, um, the, the problem with those guys has been that, uh, you know, Western manufacturing has just been utterly, completely undercut by the Chinese uh, companies. And so a whole slew of, of formerly promising Western players that appeared on the horizon are now, you know, I mean, well, in, in the case of, say, Evergreen Solar about two weeks ago, literally in bankruptcy court. So uh, a lot of companies that, that we thought were going to do well uh, just haven't done very well yet. So, uh, alternative energies can work very well in terms of, you know, long-term energy production in certain niche-type markets. I mean, I'm, I'm dying for the day when, you know, when, when, when roofs across the country are, you know, paneled in solar panels that, you know, that are, that are either heating water or pulling electrons out of the sky, uh, you know, by, by, by absorbing those photons. And that, that's going to be a great day for America and for its, for its energy future, but we're not there yet. And in terms of, of, an, of, of, of investable ideas, I've been very, I've been burned a little too hard in the last say, two, three years on these guys, and so I'm, 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 sta- I'm holding back right now uh, on that. And I, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to bang the drum and get anybody into into something that that I just don't feel strongly about from an investment perspective. Will it take much higher energy prices to make solar and geothermal and wind economic? Well, higher energy prices, you know, will help. Those type of ideas become more competitive, uh, yes. But you know, higher energy prices also mean that the, that the raw materials and the production and the installation and the maintenance of these things that those costs will go up as well. So, so you're, you're, it's it's sort of a you're in kind of a tail chase on some of these things. You know, higher energy prices do make them more attractive, but higher energy prices also make them more expensive. Like, you know, like everything will be more expensive. I mean, higher energy prices mean you're going to pay more for food and you're going to pay more for, you know, for transportation or pay more for clothing or pay more for everything. So, uh, but, but, uh, there, there will, there will come a time. One of the other things you have to be careful about with the alternatives is, is the, what, what made them such good, you know, quote investments, unquote, you know, were the, were these very, very generous tax credits that uh, alternatives have had for the last couple of years and uh, and lots and lots and lots of just you know top down regulation you know states with their renewable portfolio standards you know telling utilities you must produce you know x percentage of alternative energies and things like that well when you when you're trying to jam it down people's throat like that uh, you know if, if something happens to those 
economics to, or to those to those that kind of command and control economics where you're you know where the utility commission's jamming it down your throat for the re- renewable standard or the tax credit is you know the 30 percent tax credit for installing a you know a solar panel or something like that if those things go away because you know i uh, you, you know because of congressional problems in the sense of you know the country's broken we have to be careful how much you know what kind of tax breaks we have, or whatever? Uh, if those things go away. All the economics of these things—they—they they, they don't just—they don't just e- evaporate slowly. They crash off a cliff in a hurry. And that's what happened in Spain and other places that took away a lot of these incentives. You're saying? Oh yeah, that. Oh exactly, that is what happened in Spain. I mean, in Spain, things were so ridiculous at one point that for for solar power, the solar. Uh, subsidy was so generous for solar power that there was this one array of solar panels out in the middle of nowhere where they would go out at night and erect these big floodlights and run the floodlights off a diesel generator so that the floodlights could generate electricity, you know, from the floodlights so they could generate solar, uh, uh, power, uh, off of these floodlights and then sell it back to the grid. That's how, that's how dumb, that's how ridiculous the, uh, the solar tariffs were in Spain for a while. And then you wonder, gee, why Spain broke? Well, because they, they do stupid things like that. Now, another way you like to play, uh, the growth of energy is the, uh, service companies that provide, uh, products or services to the energy company, various equipment and, Drilling and so on. How do you pick the companies you like in that space? Uh, well, it, it's when you say how do you pick them. I mean, there's 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 maybe a dozen companies that are absolutely great. You know, there's two or three that are just fabulous, and then there's about eight or nine that are just plain you know superb. And uh, I, I, I have a I have a very nice collection of those companies in the outstanding investment portfolio. I mean, they include you know the names that you would suspect. You know, big guys like Schlumberger and you know Halliburton and you know Baker Hughes. And I mean, these are companies that absolutely have to be there when somebody's drilling a well. It doesn't matter if it's Exxon or Shell or Chevron or you know if it's a state oil company, whether it's Pemex of Mexico or Saudi Aramco. If they're going to drill a well. And they need uh, they need certain uh, techniques and certain services and certain equipment, certain tools. There's really only a few phone numbers that they can dial. And uh, these oil service guys are absolutely critical. They work offshore. They work onshore. Uh, they work in the Arctic. They work in the jungles. There, you know, they are. These are global companies that have that have exposure to the entire oil sector up and down here in Pennsylvania. I mean, we we couldn't be having the Marcellus shale boom if we didn't have the uh, you know the directional drilling expertise of many of these companies. If we didn't have the drill bits from Baker Hughes, or you didn't have the directional drilling capabilities of Halliburton, or the logging capabilities of a company like Schlumberger. So you know that's just here in Pennsylvania. You'll you'll see the same thing whether it's the North Slope of Alaska or whether it's offshore of Brazil or in West Africa or or what have you. The only place in the world where you know, you don't see these companies too much would be perhaps uh, in China where they have their own sort of Chinese knockoffs that, uh, you know, have used, uh, uh, you know, shall we say, imported technology to uh, to imitate what these guys do. But, uh, uh, yeah, they, these are global companies. They're fabulous companies for the long term. Uh, in addition in to the service companies, how about some of the equipment companies that supply equipment uh, to the service companies? Oh well, well, the the service companies actually manufacture some of their own equipment. But I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, companies that manufacture, for example, for example, in the offshore development space, uh, you know, you, you don't just drill a well in the middle of the ocean. You've got to have wellheads, and you've got to have, you know, massive valves and piping systems and pumping systems and things like that. And uh, I've, I've I've got three or four of those guys in the outstanding investments portfolio as well that are just. Uh, uh, you know, terrific, terrific companies. Uh, you know, and 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 they—it's almost a—I don't want to say they're monopolies because technically there are more. You know, there's more than one company doing you know more than one thing. But but uh, these, these companies are so well protected by their own company legacies and by the patents and by the you know the corporate uh, dominance that they have after decades of being in this business. That, I mean, there, there's no competition for them. And if anybody wants to. 
you know, go you know, go offshore and go deep. You know, they're going to have to buy the going to have to buy this equipment. And these are long, long term uh, type items. I mean, when you're talking about developing an offshore play, you know, if the you know for, from the time it's just sort of an idea in some geophysicist's brain, you know, to the time that maybe the lease sale occurs, that that could be six or eight years, and then to the time they get a rig on site could be another three or four years, and then you know they drill a well, and then they drill a confirmation well, and then they drill a couple of appraisal wells, and then they then they have to go and design an entire uh, subsurface field uh, of, of equipment to do all this. I mean, it could take 20 years to turn one of these things from from an idea into a producing uh, into a producing system. I mean, one example in the U.S. would be uh, uh, Shell Oil Company has a huge uh, uh, operation in the Gulf of Mexico. It's about oh, I don't know 200 miles offshore of Texas, and it's called Perdido, uh, and and. Uh, and this this has taken billions of dollars to develop with just immense levels of technology on the bottom of the ocean under 7,000 feet of water. Very good. For music. Okay. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Byron King. Uh, he is the editor of Outstanding Investments, and he also is the editor of Energy and Scarcity Investor, learning lots about uh, energy stocks and all the potential there. We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. When you are trying to establish your financial plan, there are all sorts of variables that you'll need to take into consideration, from the ever-changing economy and markets to investment risk and your own financial needs. How do you manage all of it to find a plan that will work for you? Tune in to The Insightful Investor with Bob Pugh. We'll help you iron it all out to help you stick to a financial plan with the knowledge that you need. The Insightful Investor is broadcast live Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Byron King. Uh, he is the editor of Outstanding Investments and the Energy and Scarcity Investor Newsletter. Uh, you can find out more about them, by the way, at dailyresourcehunter.com. Welcome back to the show, Byron. Oh, it's good to be back. Thanks. In addition to energy, uh, you cover uh, precious metals, gold, silver, platinum, those kind of things. Uh-huh. Before we get to the companies, uh, why has gold gone up so dramatically, and, and what do you think is the long-term outlook for gold prices? Well, a couple things going on with gold. Number one is gold goes up you know, in dollar terms because the dollar is losing value due to you know, macro issues in the U.S. economy, you know, the, the out-of-control uh, money creation by the Federal Reserve, and uh, you know essentially out of control federal spending, and 
you know that that's just that you know that, that's just no secret that's perfectly obvious so uh on the one hand gold goes up because the dollar goes down on the other hand you know gold goes up uh because uh, more and more people ha- are uh, distrustful of uh you know currencies in general it's not just the dollar i mean the euro is uh boy talk about a company a, a, a currency who's to mix my metaphors whose stock has fallen i mean people are just not at all uh pleased with what's going on in the euro and there's a lot of concern that uh uh that the that the that the bank problems in germany and uh and in britain could could really collapse the euro um so so you you see a lot of european money you know moving into gold uh in other parts of the world you've got more traditional uh uh, people, you know, uh cultures where where gold is still uh you know part of the monetary culture much more so than in the west the middle east if i travel through the middle east i mean people love to make deals and and you know they they still write contracts in gold uh you know the subcontinent of india i mean that, that's big you know china's always been big on gold so in in fact the uh, uh when the chinese sold sold tea to the to the british in the early 1800s they wanted payment in gold and that was one of the reasons why the british started the the opium wars because they didn't want to they didn't want to pay gold for the tea so they they figured we'll sell them opium instead and the chinese objected to that so they had your opium wars but um so uh and, and then there's one there's one final reason uh for why gold's going up in price is because when you look forward towards the supply situation from the you know the world mining industry uh there is a great danger that world mine supply could drop dramatically and precipitously you know in say the next oh you know 5 to 10 years i mean you know, two next 2 or 3 years probably be okay but you know by 5 years from now uh you could see uh, a country like south africa uh, have a precipitous drop in uh, in gold output because many of their mines are literally as deep as the technical limits of of the ability to dig a hole. I mean, you're talking you're talking talking four kilometers deep. Some of these mines are you know twelve, thirteen, fourteen thousand feet deep. You simply can't dig holes uh, you know deeper than that to get to the uh, to get to the ore. So uh, you think the supply is going to be? There's not that much new supply. At current levels, right? they add what one percent of total supply per year, or something like that. You're saying the supply could go down even more because just so, so hard to find gold today. It is, yeah. The I mean, it's very, very unusual to 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 hear about a large new discovery, and then any large new discovery typically takes years to bring it online. Uh, you know, I mean, one of the largest new plays in the world is up in Alaska at a place called Donlin Creek. And uh, there's a smaller company called Nova Gold that's partnered up with a company called Barrick, a big mining uh, play, you know, big gold mining company, uh, to develop Donlin Creek. And 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 you know it, it's a great gold resource. It's like thirty some million ounces and you know big numbers. And and it's in Alaska, and, and Alaska's been pretty mining friendly towards towards the project. But but it's just getting the thing done. The technical challenges, you know, the logistics are so difficult. Everything costs more than what anybody projected. Everything takes longer than what anybody projected. Um, and and you know and and then you get into other parts of the world where you're where you're not finding you know huge deposits. You're finding much smaller deposits. And and again, it's the issue of of developing these kind of things is very very difficult. In my in my uh, other newsletter, Energy and Scarcity Investor, I cover a lot of small cap guys. These Canadian juniors, these tiny little penny stocks, and uh, and to see the work that has to go in. To developing some mining play, you know, on the far side of nowhere. I mean, about two weeks ago, I was up in the middle of Manitoba. You know, took 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 an entire day to get there by you know a couple of different airplanes, and and uh, you know just to see the work that they have to do out in the middle of literally nowhere to uh, you know to, to 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 develop one of these resources. It's really uh, it, it really gives you a, a feel for how difficult it is to turn to turn just a bunch of rocks out in the middle of nowhere into a gold mine. Yeah. So you're saying long term there's going to be more demand for gold and and reducing supply certainly not much increasing supply. How high do you think uh, gold prices could go? Oh, I think that uh I think that uh if not this year, certainly early next year 2012, we're we're going to see gold prices over $2000 an ounce. 
and I I I could see uh, within a couple of years gold in the twenty five hundred dollar an, an ounce range. Uh, you know, I I I've ha- I have people tell me, oh yeah, gold's a bubble, gold's going to collapse. People have been telling me that since gold was three hundred bucks an ounce. You know, it was a bubble at three hundred, it was a bubble at four hundred, five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred. Yeah, it's been a bubble every hundred dollars. You know, up through up through you know nineteen hundred, and that's been a drop dropped back about a week and a half ago and I, I it dropped back so quickly and so precipitously that you know the first thing i thought was you know so, somebody's this is this is a this is stage this is like you know this is like professional wrestling or something you know the, you know you, everybody you know it's 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 an it's an event it's not really a it's there's not a, there's no free competition going on here Every, everybody knows who's going to win and who's going to lose you know and uh, and so I, I just think that you know by dropping back 150 bucket bucks an ounce last week i think gold gave a lot of people a new entry point uh, um, to get in uh, my one one of the things is you have the Federal Reserve saying, well, we're going to keep interest rates very very low for the next you know two years perhaps. Okay, well if if the carrying cost of gold is zero because interest rates are going to be so low, uh, that's just one more reason for people to buy into it. And you know, and until some until something better comes along. I mean, back in the early '80s, I mean, gold was 800 bucks an ounce, which if you inflate, adjusted for inflation, it'd be. $2,200 an ounce today, but you know, it was $800 an ounce you know, 30 years ago. And then when it looked like you know, uh, uh, Paul Volcker was really going to squeeze inflation out of the economy and, it, and, you know, and, and Reagan came along and it looked like, hey, maybe this guy, had, maybe there's something to what he's going to do here. Maybe they're going to grow the economy. You know, all of a sudden, you know, people had better ideas for what to do with their money than own gold. So, you know, so gold did collapse you know, because people had better things to do. Uh, with their funds than, than keep it tied up in, in, in the metal. I, I, I don't think we're at that point yet, you know, when we look at the U.S. economy, when we look at the Western economies, U.S., European Union, Japan, when we look at the global economy, we are just not there yet. So, so I think gold is, gold is up. Gold is still a good, uh, it's, it's certainly safety. Uh, I don't think there's a huge downside from here. I think there's a lot more upside than there is downside from where we are. As far as playing gold, uh, would you recommend the exchange-traded funds or gold mining shares or mutual funds? What would be the pros and cons of different ways of playing gold? Well, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those all-of-the-above players on that. I mean, the first thing that I recommend to people who don't own any gold at all is, the, is, is get some. You know, I mean, and I mean the real McCoy. I mean the real gold. You know, go go to a uh, to a reputable uh, 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 company that uh, that sells gold, and you know, they, they deliver it by registered mail, and and and, uh, and and you know, buy yourself a few a few ounces, and, and be careful of numismatic coins. When people say, "Oh yes, this is a twenty dollar coin," but because of the scarcity of the coin, you know, we're going to charge you three times or four times the spot price of gold. Yeah, that okay. If you really want to get into that coin trading stuff. That's fine, but but when, if you're just starting out, don't do it. Go for the bullion. Just go for the basic ingots, or go for the basic U.S. Uh, eagles, or what have you, and 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 build yourself a stash. You know, you know, put them in a safe deposit box. Uh, don't don't brag about it. Don't tell your friends. Don't tell your relatives. Um, you know, it's probably not your friends and relatives you have to worry about stealing your gold. But but you never know about about their friends and their relatives. You know, their drug addict kid or something who wants to break into your house to steal your gold coins. But you know, but own some physical gold. That's the first thing. Now, if you want to get in and out of trading gold, I mean, there are these exchange-traded funds, uh, GLD, the, the SPDR uh, gold fund, you know, GLT is the ticker on the symbol. You, it, it's like owning gold, except that you're owning, it, it, it's electronic gold, it's paper gold, although it is backed up by, you know, gold in a vault uh, someplace, but, but you know, you'll never see that gold. You'll, you're just going to have, you're just going to have the enjoyment of, uh, of, uh, you know, owning the electronic version of it. Uh, as far as mutual funds, I mean, there have been some great mutual funds that have invested in, uh, you know, a variety of, you know, small, medium, and large cap mining companies, you know, like an outfit like Tocqueville, Gold fund, you know, real nice fund, well managed, low low uh, low fees and such. Uh, great track record over the years. And then then when you get into the actual stock picking, I mean, I, I do that in my newsletters. I mean, in the outstanding investments, I've got some large cap guys. And you know, no, no big secret. I mean, it's the usual suspects. You know, it would be Barrick and Gold Corp and. Um, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, you know, some of the some of the bigger guys like that, and then when we, you know, but when we get into the smaller 
cap guys, the, the, the Canadian juniors, you know, those are the, those are the ones that you've got to be a little more careful about because it's not just, you know, it's not just the, the gold mining risk, it's the whole, you know, junior market type risk that you've got. But, but, I, but if you don't own, if you're not into gold or if you're just getting into it or whatever, I don't think it's too late. Um, you know, I mean, uh, there's a lot of water past the, past the bridge on this one, but it's not too late to get in. And, uh, I, I, I think that, uh, uh, gold offers safety and gold offers security and peace of mind. And if you, if you don't own any gold at all, I assure you that when that first one or two or three coins that you buy, when they show up, when the, when you, when the, when you get out of the mail to the post office and sign that registered card and, the, and they hand you the little envelope with the coins or that little ingot or that nugget in it or something, you're gonna, you're gonna really feel good because when you hold that gold in your hand, there's something about it. Gold fever. There's no fever like gold fever. The gold mining shares in general have not done as well as physical gold. I mean, GLD and that kind of thing. They have not. Uh, do you think it, that they will catch up, or why has that been happening? Well, I keep waiting for them to catch up for a couple of different reasons. Number one is that uh, the exchange-traded fund lets people play gold without having the uh, risk of buying gold mining companies. When you buy shares in a company, uh, you've got you've got the risk of you know, the gold and the gold mine, but you've got the whole corporate risk and the whole shareholding risk that comes with that. Uh, so, so that's one reason. Another thing is, is that uh, as, as energy prices go up, gold mining companies, their prices go up too. They use energy, they use concrete, they use steel, they use materials, they have labor costs, you know, so, so their, their costs go up as well. But I guess we can talk about this on the other side of the break. Huh? Okay, very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest is Byron King, uh, the editor of Outstanding Investments and Energy and Scarcity Investor. And we'll be back after this. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Intense and intelligent. Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, keeps you informed of the ideological, theological, and economic war being waged against the United States of America. Kevin Lehman's bold and brilliant style challenges your deepest held beliefs and provokes you to ask the hard questions, religious, scientific, political, or financial. Kevin is holding the establishment's feet to the fire with high-profile guests that include politicians, economists, theologians, and business titans. He'll demand truth over tradition and facts over fiction. Full of passion, wisdom, and wit, Kevin's transparent and no-nonsense style make Catch Kevin unscripted and uncensored. The go-to show for real insight on business, politics, social issues, and breaking news. It's time to get real, America. It's time to tackle the tough issues head on. Tune in to Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. If you're looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman. Uh, my guest this hour is Byron King. Uh, he is the editor of Outstanding Investments and Energy and Scarcity Investor. Uh, you can find out more about it at one of his websites is dailyresourcehunter.com. Welcome back to the show, Byron. It's good to be back. We just briefly want to go into again why uh, 
uh, gold mining shares have not done as well as physical gold. You were saying it's partly because their costs have gone up. But as stocks, uh, you'd, you'd think with gold at the levels it's at today that the gold mining shares would have done better. Is it just because their costs have gone up, or what is the reason for that? Well, it, yeah, it's, you know, when you say, you know, why doesn't a whole sector go up? I mean, every, you know, every company has its own unique issues, but, but yeah, one of the issues, one of the things is it costs a company a certain amount of money to mine every ounce of gold. You know, let's say that it costs a company, you know, $400 an ounce to mine a, you know, to, to mine that ounce of gold. You know, you would think that, gee, if gold is selling at 1900 bucks an ounce, that, that make, that means $1,500 profit. That's, that's, you know, that's great, you know. Well, yeah, but, but, you know, when, when other things go up, when the cost of fuel, the cost of electricity, steel, concrete, labor, and everything, when that goes up, you know, the, the, the $400 an ounce might, might go up to $500 an ounce or $600 an ounce. So, so, so in terms of showing bottom line profit gains, uh, the, the, as a general rule, the, uh, um, the the gold mining companies are are, are they're, they're just not doing it. Another angle to that is that a lot of these companies, most of the companies that are mining most of the gold in the world are are not in the U.S. I mean, there's a lot of U.S.-based mining companies. Don't get me wrong; the U.S. is a very large gold producer, but most of the world's gold comes from South Africa. It comes from Australia. It comes from you know Russia, from you know other countries in in Africa, places like that, South America, and. Uh, uh, when the U.S. dollar declines, I mean, you know, they're 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 getting their they're 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 posting their gold prices in U.S. dollars, but they're paying uh, their their local costs in uh, dollars that might be appreciating or, or in money that might be appreciating against the U.S. dollars. Boy, the Canadians are always complaining about this to me. That you know, geez, oh man, you know, the Canadian dollar is at parity with the U.S. dollar. Back when the Canadian dollar was eighty cents. You know, I mean, it was uh, it, it was it was easier to show a profit than when the Canadian dollar is at parity. So, uh, it uh, what I can say about it is that is that uh, you know it's it's a shame that the gold mining companies haven't gone up with the price of gold. But I am not about to not be invested in gold mining shares because. If those gold mining shares ever, if the market ever wakes up one morning and decides, yeah, we got to get those gold mining shares caught up with the price of gold, I mean, those guys could be in for quite a nice upward run. Uh, I don't think that the downside is as bad as the upside is good in terms of the mining shares. Is the way I, I guess I guess that's the way I'd put it. And let's talk about some alternative uh, precious metals, silver and platinum, particularly. And what is your outlook for those, and how would you play those? Uh, well, let's do let's do platinum. I, I was in South Africa twice this year, and both times I was talking with people who are in the platinum industry. South Africa is one of the world's largest platinum producers, and everybody who I talk to, it, who is in the platinum business, I mean, I get this story from everybody. It is a consistent story. Uh, everybody is telling me this: is that there is just not enough platinum to meet world demand. Uh, even today, prices are tight, but going forward, you know, two years, three years, four years from now, platinum will be in a serious supply deficit. So uh, I actually I, I added a platinum player to Outstanding Investments a couple months ago that was Implats or, or Impala Holdings, uh, uh, which is a South African company. Uh, there, there's other, you know, say other... I think North American company would be Stillwater, but but uh, but but a much larger producer would be uh, Impala, and uh, I, I think that platinum has the uh, potential for a real break on the upside in the next couple of years. I mean, you need to be patient about it. I mean, it's not a this isn't a short term trade, you know, trade in trade out kind of a thing. But uh, but I think that that when this uh, supply deficit really starts to work its way through world industry, through the world. Uh, platinum using community, you're, we're, we're going to see uh, platinum prices take quite a spike upwards. Uh, now, now, getting back to good old silver, uh, silver, you know, I mean, it's a it's a wonderful it's a wonderful metal. There's uh, uh, there there are a lot more people mining a lot more silver than there are people mining, say, platinum or gold. Uh, I, I still like silver too, and in terms of in terms of playing silver, uh, it, it's had a heck of a nice run. I mean, I, I mean, a year ago, September, a year ago. Um, I, I, the silver was selling for I think like twenty four, twenty five dollars an ounce, and, and then at one point, uh, about three four months ago, it was 
almost at $50 an ounce. I don't know that it ever touched 50, but that would be a double inside of about eight months. And then it, then it, then it pulled back. It kind of crashed back into the mid thirties. And now it's, it's around, you know, the forties, low forties or whatever. Um, I, I think that silver still has a, uh, uh, as a as a ways to run in companion with gold i mean for for all the same monetary reasons that we talked about earlier you know the you know that you know too many dollars too much us spending uh other world currencies aren't offering as good of uh uh of of a value you know the euro has its problems i mean the japanese so how would you play silver how would i play silver well right right now i i think that uh i'm i'm a, i'm a little bit nervous about a lot of the uh uh, mining companies, I, I would stick with an exchange-traded fund in silver, like SLV, uh, the silver fund. And uh, I, I do think that there's an upside to it from where we are uh, in, say, the low 40s. I mean, I think that uh, as, the, as the fall wears on, um, I think that we could see silver uh, move back up into the mid to high 40s. And, uh, you know, I mean, for, for, for silver to move, say, you know, $5 from where it is right now, that's uh you know what is five over forty this one eight that's you know it's a sixteen percent move in the next couple of uh you know let's say the next three or four months i mean it's it it's uh i, I don't think there's a i don't think there's a terrible downside to it you know again i think that at about forty dollars or so i think silver could silver could pull back you know a buck or two thirty eight thirty seven something like that but uh but I, I don't see I don't see silver crashing back down to where it was even a year ago, you know, twenty five dollars. Another metals area is rare earths, as they call them. Yeah. Uh, do you yeah. think that has a lot of potential, and how would you play those? Well, the way I would play rare earths is if you haven't played rare earths before, uh, you need to subscribe to Energy and Scarcity Investor because I I hate to be so blatantly uh, promotional about it, but I spend a lot of time talking about rare earths in in uh, in my small cap newsletter. Uh, the uh, the one large cap rare earth player, which is Mollycorp, is is every you know is well discussed. I mean, it's everybody talks about it. It's in all the websites and all the blog sites and all that, and. Uh, I got I got my readers into it, you know, back when it was a thirteen or fourteen dollar stock, and I sold out when it was about a fifty some dollar stock, because you know, we we made our money, and I was just too nervous about where it goes from here. I wish them well, I want them to do very well, but but in terms of of how to how to trade a big company like that at this point, I, I'd say the best way to trade it is to you just stay away unless you just want to. Uh, well, how about the ETFs in the rare earth area? Uh, the ETFs and rivers, I wouldn't trust any of those ETFs. I mean, there were really only about, I would say, I would say three or four rare earth player companies that, that, you know, that, that know what they're doing and know where they're going to take their product. I mean, a lot of these things are, are way too speculative for my tastes. And I have pretty speculative tastes, but some of these guys are just, are right, just. Well, it's been fascinating. My guest this hour has been Byron King. Uh, editor of both Outstanding Investments and Energy and Scarcity Investor. Again, you can find out more about his newsletters at the website dailyresourcehunter.com. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Byron. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, and we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.